following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. 10, again let's begin in verse 22. John 10, beginning in verse 22. And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication. It was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me, and, and, but uh, ye believe not, because you are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Again, we're talking about the subject of Christ's sheep. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we're thankful for the eternal word of God. It's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Father, thy word says the entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding to the simple. Father, give us understanding. Lord, help us to see and understand these truths. And Father, Lord, if there's someone in this room who does not know our Lord Jesus Christ as their only Lord and Savior, Father, I pray, God, that you'd open their understanding to their condition and draw them and call them to yourself. And Father, save them by your grace in time to come, I pray. Father, bless us now. Help us. Help me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, Christ's sheep. Now, uh, we, again, we saw that uh, Jesus is walking in the, te- in, in the temple in Solomon's porch. And the Jews, the religious leaders, came around Christ, not looking for truth, not really desiring to know the truth, but rather to again question Christ, again to find fault with him, something that they might accuse him of, so they could, in effect, finally destroy him. And that was their desire, even all the way up to the point where they finally crucified our Lord Jesus Christ. They they did not love him. You know, sometimes we get the impression that Uh, You know, if Jesus were here today, all men would love him. Don't bank on it. Uh, Folks, men and women, we've not changed, amen, and we would probably still treat Christ the same way as he was treated uh, before. But uh, even as we talk about this subject, Jesus said in verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and uh, they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Now we're talking about the subject of who are the sheep of Christ, who are Christ's sheep. Now, the last uh, couple of messages, we talked about those who are not Christ's sheep. There always is a contrast between those who are not and those who are. You know, there are some that profess to know God, that profess to be Christians, who are not. Sometimes not because of their own purpose or design, but sometimes because of a lack of understanding of what is true and what Christianity really is. Amen. And so it is these Jews, when Christ came on the scene, initially they were rejecting him because they were looking for Christ to come as a conquering king. They were under the domination of Rome, and here they were looking for a conquering king. And Jesus had to first come and be the sacrifice uh, for the sins of man so he could be their savior. And that is the most important thing. You know, I appreciate being an American. I appreciate the freedom. But folks, the freedom we have in Christ Jesus is of greater value than even if we lost our freedom as Americans. So that's a freedom that no one can take from us. That is our Christian freedom. But we talked about those who are not Christ's sheep. We talked about their accusation, verses 22 to 24. And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication. It was winter. 
Jesus walked in the the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, here's their, if you will, first their accusation. They said here, how long dost thou make us to doubt if thou be the Christ? Tell us plain. And so it was a twofold accusation. How long dost thou make us to doubt? They're blaming Christ for the fact that they did not want to believe. They're saying, well, you're making us doubt. Folks, they had doubts because they did not want to believe that that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah. And then they said here, uh, if thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. And his response to them was uh, basically, uh, I've told you, but you're not listening. He says in uh, uh, verse uh, 25, Jesus answered them, I told you and you believed not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you believe not because you are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. He basically uh, throws it back in their lap and says, you know, the problem isn't mine. And why would the problem be God's? Folks, God is for us. God desires to have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. God loves us, gave his son for all mankind that all might be saved, even though all will not be saved. He wants all men to be saved. And if folks aren't saved by the grace of God, it'll be by their choice. These Jews chose to believe not in the face of the fact that he had told them plainly many times. And in the the face of his very works, the very miracles of God testified just who he was. And yet they chose not to believe. Well, there are those that refuse to believe uh, that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior of the world. Sometimes they try to mix uh, religion and, and works with the gospel. Folks, the gospel is how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Folks, by grace through faith in him, what Christ did, are we saved and become Christians, born again by the Spirit of God? And uh, Christ had told them by word of mouth, by his very... Uh, works and then uh, this morning after we have seen we won't go through it all again but after we have seen uh, those that are not Christ's sheep and by virtue of their own choice if you will and by virtue of uh, their rejection of Christ we want to talk about begin to talk about those who are Christ's sheep and uh, if you look in verse 27 again we're going to look at two words and this is where we're going to focus our attention this morning in uh, John 10 and 27, he says, my sheep. Now, he's, he's making a contrast. He's uh, making a contrast with these two words. He's saying, my sheep. Well, now, if he's saying there are some who are my sheep, he's also saying there are some who are not. And he had said it earlier in verse uh, uh, 26, but ye believe not because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. There's a definite contrast. There are those who are not Christ's sheep, and those who are. There are those who are not genuine Christians and those who are. And Jesus is bringing the the attention to bear on now those who are his sheep. And we'll begin considering that in these words, my sheep. And these words, uh, this phrase, my sheep, speaks first of all of the owner and shepherd of the sheep. You know, when uh, not always is it the case that the shepherd is the owner of the sheep, But in this case, uh, Christ is the owner and shepherd of his sheep. And uh, we want to talk about three things in relationship to that. First of all, and these, uh, as we talk about uh, his, uh, these words being ownership and shepherd's care, but we are his sheep, first of all, by choice. 
You know, when someone rejects Christ, they reject him by their own choice. And they are not his sheep by choice. The same is true of those who are the sheep of God. We are the sheep of God by choice. Let me say this. No one chooses for us. God himself does not choose for us whether we're going to to heaven or not. Folks, he leaves that choice up to us. And, uh, you know, and we have to make a choice. Look with me to Joshua 24. Joshua chapter 24. This is true from the Old to the New Testament. You know, folks, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not just for the New Testament. Folks, the gospel of Jesus Christ is from uh, the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible. As a matter of fact, in Genesis 3 and 15, uh, the Lord told the serpent, he said, or the devil, I will put enmity between thy seed, and he says, I'll put enmity, well, let's read it before we read. I wanted to quote it, and... uh, you know, and, 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 and I couldn't. Amen. I just goes to show you I'm fallible. And no one knew that. This is a surprise, I understand. <laughs> Genesis 3 and 15. And I will put enmity. I was on the right track, amen. I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. He's talking about the seed of the devil being the sinners of this world, un, uh, sinners condemned without a Savior, and then the seed of the woman, the seed of the woman being our Lord Jesus Christ, the virgin-born Son of God. The gospel of Christ has been from the beginning. God himself preached it uh, to Satan and to Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve were saved by the grace of God. Now, but by choice, look with me to Joshua 24. Joshua 24 this morning. <clears throat> and beginning in verse 14, Joshua 24, and looking at verse 14. here the bible says now therefore now joshua's come to the end of his leadership over israel they've conquered the land they're in the promised land and they've divided the land by inheritance by lot and in verse 14 now therefore fear the lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve you the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Folks, the, the choice to become a sheep of God is our choice. God offers it to us and doesn't force it on us. God doesn't say, I've chosen some to go to heaven and some to go to hell. The Bible says he came unto his own and his own received him not, but as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. It's a choice we make as Christ reaches out to us. In 1 Kings 18, 1 Kings 18 here we find Elijah the prophet facing uh, Ahab, and uh, really it's about 850 prophets of Baal. <clears throat> but in 1 Kings 18 and 21, Elijah came unto all the people, knowing, now I said 850 uh, false prophets, prophets of Baal. Uh, uh, Ahab was a leader uh, over Israel at that time, and I'll tell you something, they were in desperate idolatry. And God, through the prophet Elijah, is trying to call them back to himself. And he's, he's reaching out to them through the prophets. And Elijah came unto all the people and said unto them, verse 21 of 1 Kings 18, How long halt ye between two opinions? 
If the Lord be God, follow him, but if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. They were faced with a choice that all men have to face. Do we want God, the one true and living God, the God of the Bible, and his son, our Lord Jesus Christ, or do we want some other God of our own making? And let me tell you something, there is no other God but God, the God of the Bible, the God of creation. The other so-called gods are the uh, gods of man's making, man's imagination. There is no other God but the one God. And the Lord was calling Israel through that prophet Elijah back to his people, if you will, to God. In John 5 and 24, John 5 and verse 24. John 5 and 24, the Bible says, and Jesus says here, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death into life. Here we see uh, that believing on uh, the word of God is a choice that we make as we hear the, the truth of the gospel. We hear that how that God loved us and sent his son to die on the cross of Calvary, rose again the third day by the power of God and offers to us eternal life by grace through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, he that believeth, heareth the word and believeth. You know, to believe is to trust, to rely upon someone. Amen. And that someone being our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, folks, I don't expect you to believe me if I don't speak according to God's word. Amen. The reason we take the time to look into the word of God is because here's the truth. Jesus said in John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy, thy truth. Thy word is truth. And it's important that we know what the Bible says so that we know uh, what kind of choice to make. And if we're going to make a right choice, it needs to be based upon the truth of God's word, a choice we make to either to receive or reject Christ, either to believe or not believe. Amen. Even as the Lord said to those Jews in Isaiah 1, Isaiah 1 and 18. <clears throat> you know, I've said this before, and I'll probably continue to say it until I'm gone home to be with the Lord. I wished I could force people to be saved because if i could i would folks you know the alternative to being saved is to be lost forever in a place called hell and folks i wouldn't want my worst enemy to as the bible says in luke 16 in hell he lift up his eyes being in torments because of the flame and judgment of almighty god now, God doesn't want to have to judge sin. The Bible says that God delights in mercy. But folks, the way to receive mercy from God because of our sin is through Jesus Christ and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. In Isaiah 1 and 18, uh, God, through the prophet Isaiah, called Israel again. You know, Israel was a, was a strange people. They had the word of God they had the God of the Word following them, protecting. God established them as a nation. God had done so many great and mighty miracles for them. And in the face of all of that, they still struggled terribly with idolatry as a nation. Many a time they would, they would fall into idolatry because of the, the effect of the, uh, 
the, the idolatrous practices of the people that lived around them. The Bible says, uh, be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. You know, young people need to be uh, choosy about those they call friends. Because I'll tell you something, a real friend is going to help you to be your best and end up in the right place. Amen? They're not going to lead you down a, a garden path into sin and trouble and, and all kinds of heartache. You know, and, and folks say it's a blessing when you can have a good friend, one that cares about you, one that's trying to help you uh, to, to be your best and, and to be right with God. Amen. And yet here, the, here through the, God through the prophets says, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. You know, God wants all men to have their sins forgiven and go to heaven one day. You know, sin cannot be overlooked. Sin cannot uh, be swept under the carpet and passed by and forgotten about. In, in Hebrews 2, Hebrews chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, Hebrews 2, beginning in verse 1. <clears throat> the Bible says, Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression of disobedience received a just recompense or reward. And let me stop there. We have examples of the fact that God, God will reward sin and iniquity with a just recompense, meaning judgment. We see that when God destroyed the world except for Noah and his family, and, and uh, he brought a flood upon this world. And folks, the, the world through the devil and science is trying to say that, that this world came into existence by evolution and uh, that there is, no, there is no such thing as a worldwide flood. And yet everything about the fossil record and real science points to the fact that God at one time had judged this world with a flood. And one day God will judge this world again. But folks, you know what? The only way to escape the judgment of God is through Jesus Christ. God has to judge sin. You know, folks, what, what would we have? What are we, what are we at times feel like we're moving toward in this country? If we don't have someone who will judge sin, will judge a, a, a wrongdoing, we'll end up with anarchy in this country. We'll lose our freedom. We don't need to defund the police. If anything, we need to help them to be better at their job. Because we need someone. We need law. Because men won't govern themselves. But the Bible says in verse 3, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which, which uh, at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? You know, folks, we... Listen, you're not going to escape the judgment of God. Folks, God gave us another example in Sodom and Gomorrah. He destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because of homosexuality. And folks, there could have been mercy for that, those two cities. There could have been mercy for those two cities if there had been enough folks who were willing to repent. And yet, God destroyed both. Out of that, those entire two cities came three people. Lot and his two daughters that were perverted by the sin of sodomy in those cities. And God destroyed those cities as an example to those, the Bible says, that should afterward live ungodly. 
He sent a message that this is unacceptable behavior and I will judge it one day in the end. But God wants all men to repent. God offers grace even to the homosexual if they're willing to repent and believe. Yet how shall we escape if we neglect the offer, the offer of salvation, if we choose wrongly when it comes to whether we're going to be a sheep or a goat? Amen. You know what goats are? My wife's talked to me a lot about it. They had goats when she was living on the farm in Missouri. And they don't sound like the most pleasant of creatures. <laughs> if you're not careful, you get butted, head-butted. Matter of fact, her grandma had her arm busted one time. That, that, uh, she got to messing with one of the goats, and he, he basically could come up with his rack and got her arm in it and twisted it and busted it. And she had treated, you know, she tried to take care of those goats, and that's the way they treated her. You know, sometimes that's what, that's what God likens man unto. Goats. Goats are rebellious, independent Sometimes, sometimes nasty creatures. Amen. They're not like horses and cows. You know, I'm, it's neat to watch the calves be born. I mean, you drive down our dirt road and there's, you know, uh, there's this one pasture full of, uh, of little calves. Man, they're great, I guess. <laughs> uh, they can be boogers too, amen. But uh, they're cute now. Amen. They'll grow up to be something else maybe, I don't know. But folks, we're the sheep of God by choice. You know, God wants us to be a, a, his sheep, but folks, he won't choose for us. We are his sheep by choice. Secondly, by purchase. Look with me to John 3. John 3 and 16. <clears throat> the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son, uh, uh, begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Folks, you know, the world at large does not like the light of Christ. And yet Christ uh, offers to them the gift of God. The Bible says, for by grace he is saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Thanks be to God that the offer of becoming a sheep of God is an offer free to us. We can choose Christ or we can reject Christ, but folks, we are his sheep by purchase. He says, listen, I've paid the price for your freedom. I've paid the price to make you mine. You know, uh, <clears throat> uh, sheep don't just gather themselves into a flock and become an owner by their own choice, though the owner is involved in purchasing the flock. Everyone that's a part of a, a, an owner's flock or a shepherd's flock has been purchased by someone. And folks, though we don't have to purchase salvation, there was a price paid so that we could have it. You know, someone, uh, someone, many someones have said that freedom isn't free. Our freedom as Americans costs, listen, costs the blood and, and the death of others. 
to give us what we have. Our freedom in Christ cost Christ everything. Amen. It was purchased, but folks, it was a, a price that was purchased and paid by God who loved us. Amen. God loved us and gave his own son for us. And for us when we didn't seek him. You know, I didn't want necessarily to be a Christian initially. And God came after me, amen, just as he comes after every sinner in need of a Savior. And helped me to see that God loved even me as he loves you. And he's paid the price for your freedom if you'll believe. You'll trust him. By purchase. Look with me to Leviticus 17. Leviticus 17, verses 10 and 11. Bible says, and whatsoever man, Leviticus 17 and 10, I'll wait a little bit, I hear, you know, it's good to hear pages turning, amen. It's almost like hearing the cogs going on in my head. <laughs> it means there's still some activity up there, no matter what it is. Say, preacher, are you hearing things? Sometimes. <clears throat> Leviticus 17 and verse 10, and whatsoever man there be of the house of Israel, or of the strangers that sojourn among you, that eateth any manner of blood, I will uh, even set my face against that soul that eateth blood, and will cut him off from among his people. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that maketh an atonement uh, for your souls. Now, folks, <clears throat> for one thing, it's a physical, physical problem. You start eating blood physically, you're going to end up with problems. I mean, there's health reasons involved here, but something beyond the health issues was the issue of God had, had, uh, had them catch the blood, and it was used to make an atonement for the sins and the souls of lost people, those that were not sheep. And folks, you know, it was a, those, those, uh, the blood, the catching of the blood and, and the anointing of the mercy seat of God was a picture of the precious blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, that he would shed on the cross of Calvary to atone for our sins. The word atonement in the scriptures is the expiation of sin made by the obedience and personal sufferings of Christ. The word expiation, because how many of us know what expiation means? Not too many. <laughs> expiation is the act of atoning for a crime, the act of making satisfaction for an offense, by which the guilty is done away, the guilt is done away, and the obligation of the offended person to punish the crime is canceled. Atonement is satisfaction. Among the pagans and Jews, expiation was made chiefly by sacrifices or washings or, and purification. Among Christians, expiation for sins, for the sins of men is usually considered as made by the obedience and sufferings of Christ. Not usually, but folks always true Christianity, amen, always has uh, the, the sufferings of Christ, the shedding of his precious blood as the atoning uh, for our sins, if you will, making things right between us and God. Look at me to 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1 this morning. And folks, the Lord himself has set down these requirements. <clears throat> and you know, folks, if we don't come God's way, we don't come at all. We're not sheep by our own choice and by our own way. 
We're uh, Christ's sheep by our choice to follow God's way, to believe and trust in God's way. And who is God's way? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by him. In 1 Peter 1 and 18, 1 Peter 1 and 18, <clears throat> the Bible says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who was verily foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Folks, it was Christ that redeemed us through the sacrifice and shedding of his precious blood, the purchase necessary. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission or forgiveness of sins. You know, the Old Testament sacrifices that the Lord established in the Jews' religion were a picture of the Christ who would come and go to the cross of Calvary. And folks, he went there a bloody mess. He went there and shed even more blood as he was nailed to the cross of Calvary. And he did all of that because it was necessary to atone for sins, to redeem us. Folks, you know what? To, if you will, ransom us from the bondage of our own sin. And you know what, folks? What a blessing when by choice we choose to accept the purchase of our salvation through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and our faith in that sacrifice, folks. Our faith and hope must be in God who gave him his son for us. In 1 Corinthians 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. <clears throat> and look at verses 19 and 20. Here the Apostle Paul reminds these Corinthian believers in the church at Corinth. He says, What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own? Folks, he speaks of the indwelling Holy Spirit that we receive the moment we trust Christ. You don't have to speak in tongues, roll on the floor, do cartwheels, none of that stuff. Amen. You just have to repent and believe the gospel, trust Christ as your Lord and Savior. Then God moves in. The Bible says that Christ dwells in our hearts by faith. That's what Paul's speaking of. He says here, and you're not your own, for you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You know, folks, to, to, in one sense, we're giving ourselves up to Christ. We desire to be God's sheep, Christ's sheep. We are no longer our own by virtue of our choice to allow God to purchase us, redeem us from the slave market of sin. And you know, folks, the, the, the offering of freedom that Christ gives to us is not a freedom to do as we please, but a freedom to do as he pleases. And understand this, whatever God pleases for us to do, whatever he says we ought to do is always what's best for us. You know, God is true, and folks, God is good. You know, sometimes if we're not careful, we'll look at the Word of God and the commandments of our Lord Jesus Christ, and sometimes if we're not careful, we'll say, oh, man, I'm, I, I can't do anything. Well, do you want to do just anything? So many in our world today are just doing anything. And look at the mess they're in. Look at the sin they're in. Look at the destruction they're bringing upon themselves. And folks, God loves us in a way that's hard to comprehend. And sometimes God says to us, you know what? Uh, don't do this. Thou shalt not. 
but do this. He says, don't do this, but do, this is the right thing to do. And I thank God for that. <clears throat> We're to glorify God in our body and our spirit, which are God's. In Romans 6, <clears throat> and looking at verse 20, Paul writes here, For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had you then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. The Bible says sin in James 1, sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. And sometimes the death we find and destruction comes even before we die and then go to hell. But it says here, But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. And again, holiness is is not a nasty word. Holiness is behaving like the Lord. And we always fall short of it. But I'll tell you something, I'd rather be striving to be like the Lord than be the way I was before I was saved. Because the the way I was before I was saved was not a good thing. I was not headed in the right direction. I was destroying myself and would have. I got saved at 19, but I'm going to tell you something. Before I I reached my 19th birthday, I'd been involved with things that if I'd continued in and I I was heading that way, I would have destroyed myself. There are times I've wondered if I would not have been dead long before my time. Folks, it's important. It says here, <clears throat> but now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death. The death he speaks of is eternal separation from God in hell. And the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It means me, from me to you to anybody and everybody. And we all need to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Not, yet not all will be. But God offers. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, Christ paid the price, and he offers it to us for free. What a blessing. You know, folks, what a blessing that we don't have to be baptized to go to heaven. We don't have to be a Baptist to go to heaven. We don't have to be a Buddhist to go to heaven. We don't have to be a Mormon, a Catholic, whatever. What we do have to be is saved by grace through faith in Christ. Amen. Without works. And lastly, look back, if you will, to John 10. John 10 and verse 27. He says, my sheep, not only is this a choice, by choice, by uh, purchase, but lastly, by desire. And I say by desire. You know, the Lord wanted even those who came to him and challenged him and seemed to reject him. He wanted even them to be saved. He loved even them. Even when they got in his face and falsely accused him, even when they spit on him and they beat him and they took him to the cross of Calvary, all along the way he continued to love them and wanted them to be saved. Amen. Even as he hung on the cross of Calvary, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Because he had a desire for them. You know what, folks? Be sure of this. If God loved us so much that he sent his son to the cross of Calvary to die for us, folks, he's telling us, I want you. 
I want you. I don't care what your station in life is. I don't care what your sin is. I don't care. I love you and I want you. But we have to want him. He doesn't choose for us. If you will, look at Luke 15. Luke 15 and verse 1. Luke 15 and 1. Bible says, then drew near unto him all the uh, publicans and sinners <clears throat> for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. I mean, relig- you know, genuine, true religion ought to care about other people and want to help them to be saved and to know God. But these Pharisees didn't care. They were snobs. They were religious snobs. You know, we have no place for religious snobbery in the house of God. You and I are no better than anybody else that comes into this room. If there's a difference between us and someone who's not a genuine sheep of God, it's the grace of God only. We're no better, and we're no worse. Amen? We're the same. He says, and he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you having an hundred sheep, if you lose One of them doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he called together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto that likewise uh, joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth over uh, more more than over the ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Folks, God rejoices. Heaven rejoices every time, every time, as God has reached out to a lost sinner in their heart through the word of God and the gospel of Christ, every time a sinner repents and believes the gospel and is saved by the grace of God. You say, well, I haven't heard that. (laughs) It's in heaven. And folks, you know, that, that must go on an awful lot because people are getting saved, even today. If, they want, if there's someone in this room who needs to be saved, today, today can be the day of salvation for you. But if not, someplace, and in many places throughout this world, there's going to be some folks who become sheep because Christ, listen, because Christ has gone after them. Amen? Christ comes looking for us because he loves us. Look at me in Luke 19. Luke 19 and verse 1. Luke 19 and 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up. Now let me stop here. Do you know what, folks? This is not a coincidence. It's not like Jesus is bebopping down the road and says, Oh, look at that! Look at that guy! He was on purpose in that place, on that street, looking for Zacchaeus who wanted him. And the Lord knew that. And he wanted Zacchaeus. He was chief among the publicans. Read on. <clears throat> He looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. Now Zacchaeus, he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. Amen. I'm so glad that God comes looking for us sinners. 
who need a Savior, who want, maybe without realizing, want to be the sheep of God. Never forget this, that as long as you have breath, there's an opportunity for you to be saved. And God's not going to let go. If at all possible, God's not going to let go until you finally respond to him and receive him. I mean, when Zacchaeus, Christ said, come on down, come home, come down, I want to go to your house. Zacchaeus thought, I'm the the, the town uh, sinner. The religious crowd wouldn't have anything to do with Zacchaeus. And what did they really have to offer him but just religion? Folks, God offers us more than just religion, empty, dead religion. He offers us a Christ, a living Christ, a living salvation, a living faith. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. Let me say this. He's not doing this to get saved. He's doing this because he is saved. He came down and received Christ joyfully. He received Christ. He wanted Christ and Christ wanted him. And then you know what? He said, I'm, I'm going to go and re-, he said, I'm going to do something called restitution. I'm going to try to make some things right that I did wrong. And restitution is a good thing. Not for salvation, but because we are saved. And maybe we can't go back and right all the wrongs we've done. But if we can, what's wrong with doing that? I remember after I got saved, I wrote home to my folks and said, listen, I'm sorry. I was a rotten kid. I was nothing but trouble. But God in his mercy and grace saved me. And I want to do better. I want to do right. And I'm sorry I did wrong. I'm sorry I hurt you. And folks, there were times when I hurt my folks. And I was so wrong for doing it. But God was gracious even as he's gracious with you and I. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation. Come to this house for as much as he is also the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You know, what a blessing, folks, that God wants you. And he's come looking for you. You know, sometimes we wonder, well, why did I end up coming to this church? Well, it was an accident. I drove by and said, ah, we'll just turn in there. I've had people say, yeah, I've been watching your sign when we used to meet over the BA. I've been watching your sign. And then they show up at church. You know, folks, that's not an accident. God is a divine God who loves their soul and is beginning to try to direct them to the truth so that they might be saved because he wants them. No matter what they've done, no matter what they are, he wants them. Folks, we are his sheep by our choice, by his purchase, and by his desire. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.